Galatians chapter 4, verses 13 through 20. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, for this part of the service. We have been blessed and encouraged, Lord, by just coming to church here tonight. I know it's a sacrifice for so many, Lord, coming home from work or school or from the, the busy schedules and having to get ready and having to feed the kids and having to do what we got to do very quickly and make the sacrifices necessary, Lord, to come to church. I thank you for those that are watching online that are taking the time, Lord God, to stop whatever they may be doing at home or at work or wherever they may be to tune in and to hear the word of the Lord here tonight. Bless your word, Lord. Anoint it. Give it power. And again, I humble myself as your servant. Help me, Father, to communicate your word effectively, Lord. Organize my thoughts, my words. Let this message touch the hearts of your people. And most of all, Father, if there's someone listening tonight that does not know you as Lord and Savior, perhaps they are on their way to hell and don't even realize it because they're blind and deaf, Lord God, and ignorant of the truth. We pray, Lord God, that you would set them free tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 13, the Bible says this. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may ha have zeal for them. Is it, it is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Now, last week, we were focusing on verses 13 through 15, and we learned that the Apostle Paul was making reference to a serious illness that he experienced when he first met and preached the gospel to the churches in Galatia, or to the Galatians. And we know that on Paul's first missionary journey, when Paul and Barnabas entered the region or the state of Galatia, there were a number of cities there that he visited. And one of the cities that he visited was Lystra. And, uh, this, and Lystra is in the state or in the region of Galatia. And we know that the Apostle Paul was beaten so bad that he was left for dead there in the city of Galatia. He did recover, but it is believed that as a result of his severe beating, he sustained very serious injuries, perhaps even became handicapped in some way, or at least very, uh, he got very, very ill as a result of it. And Paul makes reference to an illness that affected his eyes. Again, we don't know exactly what that is, but it definitely makes reference to his eyes getting messed up. And according to our text, the Galatians were kind enough to take care of him and to encourage him. Let's read again the scripture reference that tells us about the severe beating that the Apostle Paul had on his first missionary journey and visit to Lystra in the region of Galatia. It says this in Acts chapter 14, 
verse 19. Now remember his first missionary journey, first visit to the city called Lystra, and this is what happens. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. These two cities are also in Galatia. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Not only was the Apostle Paul severely beaten and left for dead, but we also made reference to the fact that the Apostle Paul suffered from what he calls a thorn in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, it says this, Or because of these surprisingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Again, many people have tried to identify what this thorn in the flesh was Uh, What it actually was, many believe it was a chronic eye problem. Some people think it was malaria. Others think it was migraines, epilepsy, a speech disability, a repeated temptation, depression, mental torment from his past, loneliness or a broken heart. Others believe it was an actual spiritual thorn sent by Satan. Others believe it could have been a person. But we need to be very clear that the Bible does not identify what this thorn in the flesh actually was Jesus even warned the Apostle Paul about the suffering that he would have to endure in the ministry. In Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says this, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And again, The main point that we try to make last week was that the Apostle Paul did not allow these terrible physical problems to stop him from fulfilling his ministry. He did not allow the horrible suffering or the pain or the physical limitations that he experienced stop him or prevent him from pursuing his ministry goals. Whatever this illness was that the Apostle Paul suffered in Galatia or whatever this thorn in the flesh was, It did not stop or hinder or prevent or discourage Paul from serving Jesus Christ. Are you guys listening to me here tonight? It did not stop him from serving Jesus. Paul did not let whatever handicap he suffered from stop him from faithfully serving Christ. And most importantly, the Bible says that Paul prayed. He prayed at least three times, God, please remove this thorn in the flesh. God, please heal me of this thing. Please remove it. At least three things. Three times he he prayed. And even though God never answered Paul's prayer to heal him or deliver him or to remove this thorn in the flesh, God's decision not to heal him did not stop him from remaining faithful to God. Many of us, sadly even myself, Many of us turn away from God when God chooses not to answer our prayers. We get a serious attitude with God. But to his credit, Paul never turned his back on Jesus Christ. We also showed you 
a couple of real examples of people today who have experienced severe handicaps and did not allow those handicaps to stop them from accomplishing great things for the kingdom of God. The first video that we saw last week was a man uh, by the name of Nick Vojacek who was born with no arms and no legs. The second video that we saw featured a woman by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata who became a quadriplegic as a young teenager. Both have had to endure severe suffering and both did not allow their physical limitations to stop them from pursuing God's will and their purposes in their lives. And to this day, God has chosen not to heal them and yet they are remaining faithful to the Lord. They are still serving Jesus and they are still serving souls, winning souls for the kingdom of God church. Now, I didn't mention this last week, but you know, one thing that amazes me about the Apostle Paul is that the Bible tells us that after he was beaten so severely in Lystra, and after being left there for dead, he leaves Lystra, he goes on to preach, and he reached the last city in his first missionary journey, and then on his way back home from his first missionary journey, the Apostle Paul returns back to Lystra again to continue ministering again. Let's read a little bit more in Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 22. It says this, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city, went back to Lystra. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra. Then they returned to Lystra, that same place where he got beaten up. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Why is this such a big deal? Most people, after they have been traumatized in their life by something or by someone, they never return or want to return to the place where they received that trauma. They don't even want to be reminded of what they went through. And yet, the Apostle Paul returned to Lystra in order to do what? In order to encourage and strengthen the disciples to remain true to the faith. I'm going to read it again. Acts 14, 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, he got beat up really bad. He got beat up and left for dead. He could have said, forget this ministry stuff. I'm going to go back home. But he continued going to church. He continued going forward. For the Lord. And he even went back there again to minister what? To encourage them and to strengthen them, even though that was a place where he got totally jumped and beat up. You see, the Christians in the churches of Galatia knew how much the Apostle Paul had suffered and how he had been traumatized and perhaps even left permanently handicapped in some way. And yet, he goes back to Lystra and lets the Christians there know that as Christians, we will have many hardships. We will have to deal with various thorns of the flesh. We will have to endure tribulations and suffering. But in spite of all this, again, but in spite of all this, we must still remember 
remain true to the faith. Let me say that again. In spite of all this, we must still remain true to the faith. Some of you are not getting it. It's not sinking into your spirit. In spite of this, in spite of the hardships, in spite of the thorns of the flesh, in spite of tribulations and suffering and all kinds of madness, you still, I still, we still have to remain true to the faith. There's no excuse. I mean, you can come into my office and tell me your sad story, but man, there is no excuse. No matter what you and I go through, we must be found true and faithful to the faith. Are you hurting about something that has happened to you? Is your heart broken because of some injustice done to you? Are you experiencing some severe illness or handicap or trauma? Are you angry or bitter or frustrated or discouraged or disappointed or depressed or fighting feelings of revenge and hopelessness or a combination of all or some of these, all of the above? Here is a reminder from the Holy Spirit. Join the club. These things happen to all of us at some time in our lives. You're just a human being living on, on, on planet Earth that is cursed and messed up and filled with sin. And you and I are going to be tossed around once in a while. But we must still remain true to the faith. Here is a reminder from the Holy Spirit. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And in spite of these many hardships, the Holy Spirit says we must still remain true to the faith. Again, we must still remain true to the faith. In case you don't get it, we must still remain true to the faith. Jesus tells us that in this world, we will have tribulations. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be some hard times. But he says, don't stress, don't worry, I've overcome that. You keep your eyes on me, and you stay faithful. Now, I didn't plan this or coordinate this, but it just so happens that we are in the middle of what the church today calls Holy Week. And what makes this week significant is the fact that uh, in, during this week, we remember the last few days of Jesus' physical life and ministry here on earth. This past Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday, for those of you that were here at church, where Jesus had his disciples and his disciples. They entered Jerusalem, and Jesus was surrounded by thousands, I mean literally thousands of people welcoming him into Jerusalem, praising him, glorifying him, and believing that he was coming into Jerusalem to establish himself as a physical king over the nation of Israel. But sadly, we know today that Jesus entered Jerusalem knowing that he was going to have to endure terrible and severe suffering, terrible and severe trauma, pain, injustice, humiliation, torture, and ultimately crucifixion and death on the cross. And yet Jesus set himself as an example for all of us about how important it is for us to remain true to the faith no matter what. Jesus is our ultimate example of how we as Christians will at times have to endure and go through many hardships and suffering in order to enter the kingdom of God. We will have church this Friday, just a couple of days from tonight, where we will read from the scriptures the terrible suffering and torture that Jesus endured for all humanity. But for now, let's continue on with our text for tonight. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 4. And I want to read verse 13 through 17 again. It says this. As you know, 
It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. This section of scripture brings up a very sensitive and controversial theme that affects the church even today. What is this theme? It is loyalty. What is the definition of loyalty? A strong feeling of support or allegiance. A strong feeling of support or allegiance. You see, the false teachers that were invading the Galatian churches were making it their goal to turn the hearts of the Christians in Galatia away from being loyal to the ministry of the Apostle Paul, to turn their hearts away from being loyal to being loyal to Jesus Christ, turn their hearts away from being loyal to the church. Listen, the enemy is very upfront today. And he is very bold today about his agenda. There is no shame in his game. Are you listening to what I'm saying here, church? No shame in his game. He represents one world order. He represents globalism. He is antichrist. He is a liar. He represents darkness and evil and division and confusion. He is anti-church. And I mean the whole church. The devil hates the church. He hates you. He hates me. He hates our church. He hates all the churches around the world. He doesn't care if you're Protestant or Catholic or Methodist or Lutheran or Assemblies of God or Victory Outreach or Foursquare or non nominational if you go to church he hates you if you go to church he will do all that he can to get you to turn your back on the church yes he will even use pastor jerry to say something that's going to offend you and make you mad and make you say i'm never going to go back to church again because i don't like pastor jerry he is sly and he is wicked and he will do whatever he can to take you out why go to church? Why restrict yourself from experiencing or enjoying or satisfying or fulfilling your desires and passions? Church is irrelevant. Church is outdated. Church is a waste of time. Christianity is not real. It is fake. The people are fake. The Bible is fake. The church leaders are fake. There is no God. If you want to get loaded, go ahead and get loaded. If you want to get drunk, go ahead and get drunk. There are no consequences. If you want to have sex, go ahead and hook up and have sex with whoever you want. If you want an abortion, get an abortion abortion who cares if you want to live together without being married and fornicate go ahead and live together if you want same-sex relationships and marriage and homosexuality go for it if you want a divorce get rid of that bum get rid of that sleaze bag get 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 your divorce go on with your life why go to church there is no god the enemy wants to tear you away from being loyal to Christ and from being loyal to the church and tear you away from believing the truth of the gospel. He wants to convince you that there are no consequences to sin. He wants to convince you that there is no hell. That's exactly what he did to Eve in the garden. He told Eve, Eve, if you eat from this fruit that God told you not to eat from, you're not going to die. And you know what? That was a total lie. Because that's why we die today. 
If this is true, if hell is not real, if there are no consequences to sin, then why are people in prison today? Why are people in jail? Why are people homeless? Why are people suicidal? Why are they addicted to all kinds of madness and chaos? Why? Because the devil is a liar. This book is relevant for today. This is the truth for today. God is real. God is alive. God wants to help us and save us and take us to heaven. All of this is real for today, church. You young people that are here tonight, don't let the enemy fool you. Now, let me just say this. Even the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, for a little while. It will last for a season. Yes, when you first get high. Yes, when you first get drunk. Yes, when you first start having sex. Yes, when you start going into the world and doing the things of the world and following the things that the devil is tempting you to do. In the beginning, it will be fun. But in the end, it's going to bite you when you're behind and you're going to end up messed up. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up dead. Let's read this section of Scripture again, and let's try and read in between the lines to see how the Apostle Paul is clearly rebuking the Galatians for turning their backs on the truth and being willing to follow something that is false. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, it says this, As you know, It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. So here the Apostle Paul is reminding the Galatians of their love and loyalty to him when he first introduced them to the gospel. How many of you remember when you first got saved? Wasn't that probably, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I don't know what you went through or what you experienced or what your situation. I know for me, that was the most exciting day of my life. I mean, that was an amazing experience for me. It was awesome. And I hope it was for you too. And the Apostle Paul, he he says here, when, when they first received the message of salvation in and through Christ, they understood Christ's suffering. They understood about Christ shedding his blood. They understood about Christ's death and resurrection. They understood that they received forgiveness of sin and eternal life. The Apostle Paul is reminding them of how they cared for him and helped him through his illness, how they embraced the message of salvation by grace and not by works. But then listen to what Paul says in verse 15. Galatians 4.15, he says this, Where then is your blessing of me now? In other words, why are you now pushing me away? Why are you now being cold towards me? What happened to that sense of love and, a, and acceptance and devotion and appreciation and loyalty that was there before? Let me read verse 15 again, the whole thing. It says this. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Here the Apostle Paul is saying, remember how you were so willing to help me. Remember how you appreciated being set free and having the eyes of your understanding open so that now you are saved and serving the true and living God in and through Jesus Christ. Remember how if it were possible, you loved me so much, you cared about me so much that you were even willing to tear out your own eyes and give them to me. What happened to you? 
What happened to you? Why are your hearts now turning away from me? Why are your hearts now turning away from the gospel? Why are your hearts now turning away from Christ and from the truth? And then look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 16. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? I'm writing to you now and confronting you about your wavering loyalty to the truth of the gospel that you first heard. I'm writing to you and letting you know that I am astonished at your lack of loyalty to the faith, your lack of loyalty to Christ, and your lack of loyalty to the church. Why have you abandoned your faith so easily? Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, how he started this letter right off the top. He said this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, I am astonished, I am shocked that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Let me just say this to you. Anything outside of this Bible is a perversion. Did you hear what I just said? Anything that is outside of this book called the Bible is a perversion, and it's going to try to confuse you and mess you up. If we go back to our text in Galatians chapter 4, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 4 verse 17, it says this, those people are zealous to win you over, but not for good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. We have to realize that there are those that are intentionally striving to tear you and I away from remaining loyal, not only to Christ, not only to the church, but loyal to each other. How many of you know that we are each a gift to each other in the church? Can you say amen? Even though you get on my nerves once in a while, even though you guys get me upset once in a while, even though you guys irritate me once in a while, even though sometimes I have to deal with your bad breath and your underarm breath and your, all the all stuff, but you know what? I'm glad you're in my life. I'm glad that we have each other. Even with all our hang-ups and all our issues and all of our drama and all of the madness that we all put ourselves through, I'm glad that we have each other in Christ. But the enemy is out to destroy you and me and this relationship that we have together through Christ. Listen to what it says here as we bring this to a close for tonight. Those people are zealous to win you over, but not for good. Listen, when the enemy comes at you and he offers you something that seems so good and so nice and so tempting, but you know it's not of God. It may seem, it may seem, this is why he's such a deceiver and a liar, because he's good at what he does. It may seem in the beginning, this is for your good, Jerry. This is going to help you. This is going to make you feel good. This is going to encourage you. Look at how your wife treats you. She treats you like a dog, but you know what? If you do what I tell you to do, you're going to feel good, Jerry. He's going to make you think that what he's offering you is for your good. But you know what the Bible says? It says here, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. For no good. Then it says, what they want is to alienate you from us 
to separate you from the body, to separate you away from church, to keep you away from hearing the truth, to keep you away from someone that's going to knock some sense into you, that's going to have the courage to get in your face and tell you, dude, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to end up in hellfire. You better repent and get rid of that thing right now. And then it says here, those people are zealous to win you over, but not for good. It may seem like it's for good, but it's not for good. And they want, what they want to do is alienate you from us, to separate you, to isolate you, to take you away from the fellowship so that you may have zeal for them. In other words, take away your passion from Christ and then give you a passion instead for the things of this world that lead to death. Let's pray. And let's ask God to help us not to be deceived in these last days that we're living in and that no matter what happens, no matter what we have to deal with, no matter what kind of temptations or harassment or offers are brought to us, that you and I will stay faithful to Jesus. Can you say amen, church? Let's pray right, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we conclude this message for tonight, Lord, help us, Father, to remain true and faithful to you, Jesus. No matter what sufferings or tribulations or heartaches or, 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 or troubles we go through, unfair situations, Lord God, help us, Lord God, to remain faithful to you no matter what. And Father, no matter what the enemy tries to do to try to convince us that his ways are better than your ways, I pray that we, Lord God, will not allow ourselves to be deceived, but that we would choose life and not death that we would choose the truth and not a lie. If you're listening to me right now and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If that's you here tonight, just lift up your hand. Those of you online, if that's you and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just say this prayer with me. Just repeat it. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I willingly open the door to my heart and I ask you, Jesus, to come in. Take over my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Lord Jesus, I thank you tonight for dying on the cross for me. And tonight I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want to encourage you, get a hold of us, contact us. We want to get you a Bible. We want to get you some information that will help you on this new journey that you're on as far as serving Jesus Christ faithfully. You're going to have to get plugged into a church somewhere, get around some other Christian people, and get strong and learn to live your life for the glory of God. We thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, church, for being here this evening. And, of course, the altar is open for any of you that have prayer requests or that want prayer. The altar is open. You feel free to come on up, and we will pray with you here this evening. God bless you, church. Have a great, great evening. Amen. Praise God. Hopefully we'll see you back on Friday, okay, for Good Friday services, 7 o'clock. Praise God.